0: now for you to be able to go to the children's service downstairs looks like ashley's all set for you (laughs) is it you today oh okay Mars is down there all right ashley gave me that look like me (laughs) all right I'd like to invite you to turn once again in your Bibles this morning to Second Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses uh, 16 and 17. This is going to be the last Sunday that we're in this particular verse of Scripture. Uh, we're going to move into a new area, but we've been talking about um, the keys to spiritual development. And when I say that, some... People and some traditions call these the means of grace. But I'm a little hesitant to adopt that, even though historically it's a valid statement, because so often um, in some uh, traditions and, and uh, denominations, means of grace means if I do this, I'm going to get brownie points with God. You know, okay? <laughs> This is this other thing is going to happen for me. And I, I don't mean it in that sense of the word. But the Scripture uh, is a great means of bringing us uh, into the grace of God where we can benefit from His leadership in our life. And I really like to think of these as keys to spiritual development. There are certain things, uh, activities, that if you build them into your life, they will enable you to grow spiritually. And I think I said somewhere back in the beginning of this study that um, if you build these things into your life, it does not guarantee spiritual development. Some people go through all kinds of ritual and rote kinds of behaviors, and it does them no good. And it's possible to do that. It's even possible to get a seminary degree, a master's degree in biblical studies, and not know God. That's entirely possible. But there's one thing I can tell you for sure. If you don't do these things, you will never develop spiritually because they are essential in the development of our spiritual lives and our growth before the Lord. Paul's encouragement to Timothy is to become a man of the Word, to come to know the Word of God in great depth, so that he will be wise, and as the title of the message is this morning, ready for anything. And it's an absolutely true statement that God wants to bless our lives. He wants to give us success in life not in the sense of the name-it-claim-it crowd, you know, uh, if I set my heart on a Mercedes and plug in all the right spiritual ingredients, I'll get that. I don't mean in that sense at all, but God does want to bless us. He wants to give us success in life. He wants to enable us to make wise choices and come uh, to the end of the journey without significant regret. I mean, they're, they're... probably will always be those little things along the way that are just embarrassing or man I wish I hadn't said that or done that but but in terms of the overall uh, tenor of our lives that we come to the end of the journey without significant regret that we look back and not only are we satisfied with our years but we sense that God is satisfied and that's very scriptural because uh, we want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, in the study guides that I've been giving you lately, uh, I've had a different kind of question. I've had more homework for you, more things to look up. By the way, did anybody uh, find out if anything negative was ever said about Nehemiah? Either you're not looking or I'm going to take that as Nehemiah and Daniel are two people in Scripture that nothing negative is ever said about them. So they're good. They're good lives to look at and to study. Well, I have some questions for you in this week's study guide. I just want to touch on them at the beginning uh, just to get you thinking for your considerate for your own consideration. You don't have to confess this to your small group. But how many verses of Scripture do you think you can quote from memory? How many have you got built in up there that are right on the tip of your tongue? Uh, How well would you say that you know the doctrines or the teaching of the Bible? You know, I I grew up in in a southern Christian home that was uh, as much culture as it was Christianity. Sometimes I think more so. And there were some teachings of the Bible that I grew up with that I found out weren't anywhere in the Bible. (laughs) There were things that were kind of invented by my family and, and my extended family and passed down. And they weren't biblical at all. Do you know the teachings of the Bible? How often do you turn to the Bible asking God for guidance when you're not sure what to do? Is it your first resource? Or the last thing you think of when everything else has failed? How does it factor in to your decision-making process? Paul says bodily exercise only profits a little. But spiritual discipline is profitable for all things. What does spiritual discipline look like? You know, I'm just about as opposed to legalism as anyone I know. But by the same token... Uh, there are certain practices and disciplines that if they're not a part of our lives, we're not going to find ourselves developing spiritually. And you have to temper all of that with the guidance and leadership of the Holy Spirit. But it's interesting to me that some people are able to go out running, or they're able to go to the gym, or they're able to diet and count the calories, and they're able to go through all of these exercises to care for their physical bodies, And they have no willpower when it comes to spiritual development. And self-control is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit to enable us to to build practices into our lives that are going to lead us uh, in the path. And are you able now to name at least one verse of Scripture about work, friendship, financial investment, raising children... How to treat your spouse, how to choose a car, what job or you didn't think that would be in there, did you? It is. What job or career to, career to take? How to overcome habitual sin? How to face adversity? Just to name a few. Can you give me a verse of scripture for each one of these scenarios in life? Um, I I said this morning to the 8 o'clock group, I said, now you're not going to find a car mentioned in the Bible. But you will find wisdom for how to make a good decision found in the Bible. One of our elders corrected me as as he was walking out the door this morning. He said, you can find a car in Scripture. They were all together in one accord. (laughs) Just... Just goes to show you. <laughs> be careful what you say. <laughs> but anyway, so, so this morning, as we come to verse 17, um, and we look at this last segment of Paul's admonition. All scriptures inspired by God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God or woman of God may be adequate equipped for every good work. And I want to look at these words individually that we find in verse 17. What does the word adequate mean? If the Bible is adequate for every good work, what does that mean? Well, the definition is to have sufficient supply, to be complete, to lack nothing. So, when applied to the Scripture, it means to have within its pages all the knowledge and wisdom necessary to live life well and to make wise decisions while avoiding pitfalls and poor choices. To be adequate means we've got the equipment we need. We've talked about how you're not going to find everything in the Bible. Um, uh, for example, you're not going to find formulas for engineering. You're not going to find a chemistry textbook. You're, you're not going to find instructions uh, on on how to build a house, necessarily, uh, other than the foundation part of it. There's some instructions about that. but. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, but there are a lot of things in the Bible that are, that are not in the Bible in terms of career and, and so forth. And yet, what the scripture is talking about is in terms of application and living life well, the Bible is adequate. Uh, you know, I remember the day that I was sitting in my office over in the Parsonage when we used to live over here, and some of you were in my office in those days, and downstairs was where it was. It was a 24 by 24 foot room, and my bookshelves went all the way around, and I can still remember what books were where, because I had them organized by themes and topics and whatever. And as I sat at my desk and looked toward the door that went outside, the uh, cases right to the left of the door, right over there, was my section on psychology and psychiatry and Christian counseling. And I had approximately 400 volumes uh, in that section on psychology and counseling. And I remember looking at those bookshelves one day, and the thought landed on me like a ton of brick. What if I had read the Bible 400 times instead of reading those books? Would I be a better counselor? Would I be a wiser person? And the conviction that settled on me was if the Bible is about anything, including our salvation and redemption, it is about human nature and behavior. That is the theme of Scripture. The Lord Jesus Christ exalted the glory of God and the problem that human beings have. And in the pages of Scripture, we find everything we need to teach us about life. All the ingredients are there. And sometimes we pay money to go to financial counselors. We find people that have training and a degree or a certification And they're licensed to give us financial counsel. They may be able to uh, talk to us about uh, investments in stocks and bonds. They talk to us about life insurance and estate planning and all those kinds of things. And we go to these people to kind of give us guidance and planning for our future and uh, handling our money and all of those kinds of things. But you know what? The knowledge of how to make money and what to do with it does not mean that we handle it wisely. The Scripture tells us where value lies. And and it's not in the mind of the world. In fact, I would say to you this morning, you may never have thought of this, but I will say to you, If you have a financial counselor and that man or woman is not a committed follower of Jesus Christ who is immersed in Scripture, they are going to give you bad advice. Because there is a way that seems right to a man. And the end of it is death. My thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are not your ways. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge me and I will direct your paths. If your counselor is not someone who loves Jesus Christ with all of their heart and bases their guidance on the Word of God, it's bad counsel. Because only the Scripture can give us clear direction. For life, And furthermore, it is adequate. It's all we need. It's the full boat. That's what the Scripture is saying here. It is adequate for all of our needs. And then, as we take the next word, He says that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. The tools of the mechanic, the computer of the programmer, the formulas of the engineer, the brushes and paints of the artist, these are their tools. In life, the Word of God is the equipment that we need in order to live well. You know, and... I go back to my days as a carpenter. I worked through, uh, worked my way through college and provided at least my portion for Rowena and me by, uh, after class, going and building houses. You know, you start out um, as a uh, carpenter just uh, doing framing, and if you have a hammer and maybe a framing square, you've got all you need. And then, as you advance in the craft, you find that you need other things, and as time goes along, uh, you're always running the hardware store for another tool, There's and there's nothing a guy likes more than an excuse to buy another tool. <laughs> no, 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 you can't borrow it, you got to have it for yourself, you know. <laughs> And, and I, I remember getting to a point where uh, I was a trim carpenter and it, it was the first time I was putting in a bay window and it had a number of angles in it and the, the square wasn't adequate uh, anymore. It, w- it wasn't the equipment I needed. I had to go uh, get something else. So I had to get one of those things that you could bend and turn. and find the angles and the half angle for the miters and all of that, you know. And so it was always finding that my toolbox was short, at least one tool. But the the Scripture says that the Word of God gives us all the equipment we need. If we go to the Scriptures and have it built into our lives, we already have in our toolbox every tool we're going to need to face life's challenges. Academic training, trade schools and skill, business acumen and understanding of the workings of Wall Street may show us how to make money. But they don't show us how to be successful in life. And how many people can you name that have made a lot of money and a disaster of their life. Broken marriages, ruined lives, substance abuse, even suicide when they can't stand it anymore. People that have seemingly uh, had the keys of success, but their lives really have been empty. And void of meaning. And they've made a mess of all the things around them. Just the ability to to get on in one section of life does not give us what we need to be truly successful in every situation. The only equipment that guarantees true success as a person, as a person, is the knowledge Of the Word of God. And so Paul says to Timothy, the Scripture is adequate, giving you the equipment you need for every good work. Now I'm convinced that most people read the end of that verse incorrectly. They read, adequate and equipped for every good work. And they read that as a collective noun. Oh, this means I can do good works. And by good works, we normally think of things like giving to charity, or collecting for charity, or working in a homeless shelter, or, you know, doing some kind of good work. We think of it in the collective noun sense. Oh, that's a good work. I'm going to go to church and do good works this afternoon. I've got some things I'm going to do for the church. And so those are good works. But I don't believe that's at all what Paul means. What he's talking about is the quality of the work that we do. In other words, when, when, when you engage in activity, it can be toward That which is good and valuable and significant and has a positive impact. Or it can be that which is negative and and detracts and, and pulls you down. Good work describes the quality of the work, the moral character. There are a lot of activities you can do that in and of themselves are neutral. For example, if you sit down to a word processor at your computer and you call up a new page and you start typing, um, you can uh, create a document that is encouraging and uplifting in a godly sense. You can also write a wretched pornographic novel. The computer doesn't know what you're doing. Doesn't even care. Doesn't think at all. The person driving it is the person who determines what comes out of it. So the computer itself is neutral. It doesn't have a positive or a negative. But you do. What you do and how you do it has a moral quality to it. It has an impact. It, it makes some kind of difference There's a ripple that your life causes in the cosmos, if you please, that either speaks of God or speaks of self and something even much lower. Paul says the Scripture equips us to work in such a way that the things we do have a good impact that they can be described qualitatively as a blessing and as beneficial. In the study and assimilation of the Word of God, coupled with obedience and spiritual application, we have the opportunity to transform every work into a good work. To see every activity touched by the presence of God. And come to the end of our days satisfied and unashamed, knowing that God is pleased with our life. How many of you are familiar with the story of Brother Lawrence practicing the presence of God? How many of you have read that? A couple here and there. Let me give you a quick synopsis of his life. I believe he lived in the 15th century, the 1400s. You didn't have a lot of options for what kind of spiritual work you did in those days. And so he joined the monastery. He wanted to be close to God. And he thought if he joined a monastery, that would uh, bring him into, into a good relationship with God. So he joins the monastery. And everyone who went into a monastery in those days was interviewed by the head of the monastery. And as uh, they and the senior brothers kind of interviewed these people... They would give them an assignment based on what they felt would be the best training for them. So put yourself in Brother Lawrence's shoes. He has in his mind going to this very austere retreat environment and spending his life worshiping God and getting close to Him and coming to know Him. And, you know, and they interview Him and they assign Him. KP, kitchen police. (laughs) They send him to the kitchen to peel potatoes. Literally, I'm not kidding. And I don't mean just for this week. I mean, this is your assignment here. You know, and and you you start reading his story, and he says, "I, I had these visions of, singing the chants and and doing the worship and having the readings. And I'm in the kitchen peeling potatoes. You know, most people at that point in time would say, hey, wait a minute, this is not what I signed up for. I'm out of here. But instead, he began to seek God as to what he could learn in a very disappointing role. And he discovered that he had a lot of time to talk with God. It doesn't take an awful lot of thought to peel a potato. He found that he could serve his fellow monks in a way that was very meaningful by helping provide their daily sustenance. He found that he could apply himself to doing well. And as he spent his hours in the kitchen communing with God and devoting his mundane work to the Lord, he discovered the sweet experience of God's presence and learned that he had a most sacred role. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Well, sort of. I think you know what I mean. If what you're doing is not contrary to Scripture, by the grace of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit it can be transformed into that which is sacred it becomes holy ground. It becomes a place where God can dwell in you and through you. And your life can be an encouragement. It can make a difference. You can experience the presence of God. And you can bring others into awareness of His presence because of how you're living it. Do you see that's the Qualitative aspect. Good works. Not evil works, not indifferent works, but good works. You can do as your life is filled with the Word of God and you have the right perspective on life. Friends in the Bible, God has given us not only a key to spiritual maturity, but a gift for living a successful life, combined with prayer and the Holy Spirit by application. And I have to emphasize that. You can learn the Bible as a mere intellectual exercise, and it really isn't going to do you any good, except probably make you arrogant. But if you study the Scriptures to know the living God and you are open to be obedient to what He teaches you, and you are yielded to the Holy Spirit, He will take the Word of God and build it into your life in such a way that you will be successful. And whatever life brings your way, God will fortify you with wisdom. not saying that you'll always know the answer instantly. (laughs) If that were true, we'd never have to pray and seek wisdom and ask God. You know, I've got all kinds of things going on in my life right now where I'm saying, God, I I need some insight, (laughs) I need some direction, I, I need some understanding. But God is faithful. And the answers are in the Word. And He will guide us. Without the Scripture, you're not going to grow up in Christ. And so I encourage you this morning, by the grace of God, allow the Word of God to take root in your life and grow. Expose yourself. Read it. Study it. Memorize it, however you do that. Whatever works for you. Build it into your life. And let the Holy Spirit use it to give you wisdom that you can make wise choices and good value judgments and good investments, not just with your money, but with your time. Father, I pray this morning that you will open our hearts to your word that we will be those who are men and women of the book, knowing that all Scripture has been God-breathed. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness, that we will be adequate and equipped for every good work. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.